Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. For He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. He has commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Those are the first seven verses, all very positive, encouraging. If I were to continue reading there, uh, it would say the negative reasons why uh, this has to be done. That they may not be like their fathers. Okay, we, we, we want to be that people, that generation who holds fast, who serves the Lord, who seeks the Lord, and does that which He requires. Brothers, sisters in Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord, the God who created the heavens and the earth. Receive His greeting. Grace unto you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits which are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To Him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What are some things that Pastor Randy says that you think are funny? About three people said, this is my favorite verse. And, and, and I don't know how I missed this passage for so long. And it's important. So it's my new favorite verse. How about that? So Deuteronomy chapter 10, we're going to read from 12 to verse 22, and then a couple of verses from the next page. But let's do this first. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Isn't that a great question? You know, it kind of echoes like Micah 6, 8. What does God require of you, old man? This is better, I think. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heaven the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and shows their offspring after them, you above all peoples, granting a few centuries and, uh, and how we as the, are, are the New Testament people of God. We are the Israel of God. We are his chosen people. Yet the Lord set his heart... To love your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all people, as you are this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. 
For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Isn't that a beautiful passage? In chapter 12, God says he's going to choose a place where he's going to put his name. And that is the place where the people are to go to worship. I only mention that because it's going to become really relevant as we go back to 1 Kings chapter 13 and the false worship that Jeroboam would lead Israel into. Chapter 13 is where I want to get to. And this is what if you don't worship God in that place. Chapter 13, 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you Think about that. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery, to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Um, We're going to stop there, but just know that verses 6 through 11 says that if your son or your daughter or your friend who is your soulmate comes up to you and says, hey, let's worship other gods. He shall be executed because he is leading the congregation, the people of God, astray. It's a frighteningly harsh reality. And yet that reality indicates the importance of worship and more particularly, right worship as God requires and commands. Well, I would invite you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 13. I don't remember the exact Sunday that I preached the first part of this chapter to you, uh, but I did say the next time when I came back, I would continue that series. And it is, um, I think, just a profoundly 
uh, significant passage in that it, it, it calls us to, uh, to trust God's Word and God's Word alone. Uh, if I would have done anything over, I probably would have not read the whole chapter the first time. And then as we would progress our, through our study, read further. So this time we're going to read through verse 22, I think is what I had in the bulletin. Yep. Hear the word of God. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings, and the man cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And he shall sacrifice on you, the priests of the high places, who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, or rent in two, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying, of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up, so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was torn down, and the ashes on it poured out from the altar, according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and came as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half your house, I will not go in with you, and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. And I will, for so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now, an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had, had done that day in Bethel. Then also, they also told their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to him, which way did he go? And his son showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it, and he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you, nor go in with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me, by the word of the Lord, 
You shall neither eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house, that he might that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command of the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread, drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Thus far, our reading at this time. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come this morning to part two of a particularly Remarkable and tragic story of the man of God. The man of God was sent by the Lord to Bethel to curse the altar, to reveal the words that he had been told. And he went and he did. He spoke the word of the Lord. And the sign that he said would prove that what he said was true would be the splitting or the destruction of the altar and the spilling out of the ashes. After he finished speaking the word of the Lord, the Lord revealed another sign for all to see. The hand of Jeroboam was stretched out. Arrest him! And God dried it up. It withered. So much so that he couldn't take it back. He couldn't hide it. it, There it was. Remember that one commercial with the nails in that person's head? Let's talk about the nail. No! You always want to make something. It's kind of like that. There's his hand. Sticking out, dried up, dead, withered, right? And he humbles himself and prays, asks the man of God to pray to the Lord for the healing of his hand. Like I mentioned last time, that guy was nicer than I would have been. Right? But he prayed the Lord and the Lord restored, restored his hand. And... Was that an opportunity? Yet another opportunity for Jeroboam to turn from his path? Remember back in in chapter 12 when when God called Jeroboam and said to him, I'll make you a house just like David is a house. An everlasting promise that yours children will sit on the throne. If you do what? If you do what I command you. If you follow after the words and the will of Almighty God. At the same time that Jeroboam's hand was withered, the altar in Bethel was rent in two. And and the promise he had made that from the line of David, probably, what, 300 years forward, a, 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 a son would be born, Josiah by name, and he would destroy this altar. He would burn the bones of the, the priests of the altar upon it. So what do we know about that? Well, we know that after Manasseh, probably the worst king of Judah, 
child sacrifice, the whole spiel, Josiah would be born. And, and, and he was without peer. It actually says that. Um, he walked in all the ways of his father David. He, 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 he did... In fact, we, we studied the book of uh, 1 Kings in our Wednesday night study quite a while ago already. But I said, man, wouldn't that be great to have those things said of us? <laughs> he feared the Lord all the days of his life. He, he held fast to him. Uh, you know, here we are. What, will that be us at the end of our days? I think that's a fair and a great question. Uh, the man of God initially set a great example. He did precisely what God told him to do. Uh, in fact, Jeroboam said, Hey, come home. We'll, we'll have some refreshment. We'll, I'll reward you. And he said, Not a chance. Not if you give me half your kingdom would I go home and because the Lord has told me, Don't drink. Don't eat. Don't rest in Bethel. But come back another way. Well, he started out well. And as we'll see today, uh, he, he did not continue well. He is deceived by the disobedient prophet. So we will see that the man of God, uh, by the trickery of men, you know, I, 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 make, I was talking to someone a while back, oh yeah, we had a guy stop by the church yesterday, the day before the, yesterday. And he was a missionary. He was just kind of traveling through and, and he had known someone, he had known about our congregation by the, not, not his current name, but his former name. And uh, it was pretty clear to me that he um, uh, didn't really believe the scriptures. And at a, at a certain point, uh, I said to him, you know, counterfeit money has to look what? If it's going to be used. It has to look pretty good. You know, technology is such that it has to feel right has to look right. And sometimes you even give a $20 bill, they'll take a little marker and they'll put a mark on it. Why? Because people make copies even of $20 bills. Well, the, 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 the old prophet uh, was a liar. He was a deceiver. Uh, he had gone the way. In fact, the first thing we're going to look at is the person of this deception. The second thing uh, we'll look at is the tactic of this deception. And thirdly, the success. In parentheses, success. He, he, he was effective, regrettably so. Uh, interestingly, the man of God, we don't know his name. Similarly, we also don't know the name of the, the false prophet. We don't know the name of the old prophet. And, and as they're both left anonymous, uh, I think they are left for the church of all ages of examples for how God's people are and are not to live before the Lord, especially those called to the prophetic office of the ministry of the Word. Uh, they, we are reminded that it is a precarious place to be in. Uh, because, in, in effect, who, who is the one that is the target? Um, actually, there's a verse in Revelation 12, 17, it says, and the devil was wroth with the woman, the church, and went to make war with her offspring who hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
and keep the commandments of God. So who, who, is, who does Satan hate? He hates faithful and upright godly believers who are content to, to love the Lord and to serve Him all the days of their lives. Right? So don't, don't think that's a diminutive at all. If Satan is after you, it's because you have a, a role and a part and a place to play uh, in the, the church, in the life of God's people. Well, this prophet, we're introduced to in verse 11, now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. Who was this guy? Well, what was he doing there? Um, if your Bibles are open, or actually you can just listen to this. These are, um, this is from Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 13. It tells what happened uh, in Israel at this time. There was a division of the kingdom. Rehoboam, the son of, uh, the son of Solomon, took bad advice. And so he's king of Judah, and Benjamin, or Ephraim, whichever one is wrapped up in Judah. And the other ten tribes, they all go to, to Jeroboam. Here's what happens. And from all their territories, the priests and the Levites who were in all of Israel took their stand with Rehoboam. For the Levites left their common lands and their possessions and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them from serving as priests to God. Then he appointed for himself priests for the high places, for the demons and the calf idols which he made. And after the Levites left, those from all the tribes of Israel, such as set their heart to seek the Lord their God, the God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, strong for three years because they walked in the way of David and Solomon for three years. Uh, in, in other words, uh, when Jeroboam set up these idols in the northern kingdom, in Dan, north of the Sea of Galilee, the southern side in, in Bethel, and, and he set up golden calves, and he said to people, here is the Lord your God. Why trouble yourself to go all the way to Jerusalem? Just bring your offerings here and worship God. Or to Dan, if it's closer. And of course, his deceit, his deception was that he uh, intended to, uh, to lead the people astray. And so when you read about the northern tribes of Israel, almost every king, remember the, the little joke, are there any good kings of Israel, the northern tribes? The answer is no. There's no good kings. Why? Because they all maintained the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, uh, and the false idolatry, worshiping God in a wrong way, which made their worship unacceptable uh, to the true and living God. And apparently, the man of the old prophet wasn't one of those loyal to the place of worship in Jerusalem. He stayed in Bethel. Where were his sons? Worshipping the pagan gods uh, with Jeroboam. They were there. They were a part of the audience. They were a part of probably the collective worshipping of, of these false idols. And this old prophet 
after he was told about the man of God, about the signs and the wonders that he performed. Uh, we're not really told early on what his motives are. He says, which way did he go? Saddle the donkey for me and I will follow them. And we, and we don't know his plan or his ploy until he meets the man of God. And he says, hey, come back with me. Refresh yourself. Eat bread and drink water. And, and initially... The man of God from Judah answered well. But then the deceit, the trickery. Uh, Remember in John chapter 8, Jesus is debating with the the Pharisees about if you were of your father, you would love to see my day. But because you are of your father, the devil, you want to kill me. And Jesus says this. He was a murderer from the beginning. And what? And the father of lies. That's that's who Satan is. That's who everyone who follows Satan is. So if you know someone that tells lies or misrepresents the truth, they have a spiritual problem. They have a spiritual problem. They, They need the light. They need the truth. They need the grace and mercy of Almighty God. And of course... The prophet, obviously, because he wasn't faithful, what can we expect of his children? Also not to be faithful, right? And, and so his, his, his sons are not walking in the right way because he is their father. Uh, we're not walking in the right way. So down to verse 14. He went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? He said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. He said, I may not return with you or go in with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in that place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord. Really, he's judging himself, right? For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor shall you return by the way that you came. And here's where the deception comes in. The old prophet says, well, I'm a prophet just like you. I'm a prophet of the Lord. Notice it even uses the, the, the Yahweh, the covenantal name of God. I'm a prophet just like you. And an angel came to me and said, go and get the prophet and bring him home with you. What's the man of God going to do? He knew the word of the Lord, but now there's a there's competition. Because now the word of the Lord says something new, something different. And regrettably, regrettably, he listens to the old prophet. He follows after. Because his his method, his tactic, was that of distortion. Was that of confusion. And unfortunately, he yielded to it. You can imagine the thought, oh, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. I, I am pretty thirsty. And, and, and who knows? Maybe, maybe the, the Jeroboam is repentant for the signs that were done. And, and, and he wants to start a, re, a revival. He wants to make a new, a new worship, a, a new reformation. Put all the, all the imagination you want into it. What should have the man of God done? He should have done what God said. 
He should have followed what he knew to be true. Look at the last part of that paragraph. Um, he... Uh, the last part of verse 18, I guess it is. But he lied to him. The, the old King James says, but he spoke with malice. He, he wanted to hurt the man of God. He, he, didn't want, he wanted him to be judged by the same means by which he was going to be judged. The man of God held fast for a time, but in the end he yielded. He gave in to the compulsion uh, which was spoken by the man of God, by the, by the old prophet. Uh, he, 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 he tried to do the right. He started out doing the right, but, but in the end he yielded. He, he didn't hold fast. Uh, interesting thing. I'm not sure I mentioned this last time, but... Uh, this three-part series that I've wrote sermons on 1 Kings chapter 13 was the first series I preached back in 1990 when I was ordained to the gospel ministry. Um, and one of the things that the ordaining pastor said to me, he says, Randy, we know what you believe now. And, and, and God's grace has, is evidently shown. Where you are right now is not the question. What's the question? Where are you going to be 20, 30, 50 years down the road? Will you be holding fast then? That's the question that, that this passage speaks to. Uh, whether our, our confirmants are 5, 15, or 50, what, what, what do we all need to do? We all need to hold fast to the Word of God. Why? Because the evil one uh, the, our, our enemy is like a roaring lion looking for whom he might devour. Really? Yeah, really. Our struggle is not against people, principally. Think of Ephesians chapter 6. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood, blood, but with the principles and powers, the spiritual darkness of this age. Can't wake it away. We can't imagine it away. We need to hold fast to the word and to the will of Almighty God. And so he was lulled into complacency and in the end he yielded himself to the way. And the price that he would pay would be quite severe. Look at verse 20. They sat at the table as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back, and he cried to the man of God who came from Judah. It's puzzling, right? Now God is going to speak through this old, lousy prophet. He cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and eaten bread and drunk water in the place that I said to you. You shall not eat bread or drink water in this place. After he had eaten 
bread and drunk, he saddled his donkey and brought the prophet back to Bethel. Congregation, any suggestion that the Spirit of God is now leading uh, in a way that is contrary or a way that is different from the way that he had led in the past is false. The Spirit may give further insight into his word, but he will not lead or teach contrary to it. To claim he would have done, would do so would be to deny his word. And what does Jesus say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. James chapter 1 verse 17. Uh, we, we worship and serve the Father with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. When He speaks, He spoke. And what is revealed will not change. It will stand and hold fast forever. In fact, you think of that in terms of the last verse of Revelation chapter 22. Uh, It says, um, to add to it or take away from it is a serious sin. For in so doing, curses will be added to you and eternal life will be taken away. But perhaps the most clear passage that addresses 1 Kings chapter 13 and the old prophet is Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. Paul says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than the gospel which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Clear? Clear. Then he says it again. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. I believe there's a direct link in the Apostle Paul's mind from Galatians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 back to the, the false prophet, the old prophet who heard from the angel of the Lord a new and different word from God. The man of God had to make a choice. He had to believe and obey the word of the Lord that had spoken to him, or he had to believe the word spoken by the old prophet after all. And regrettably, he chooses wrongly. For thus says the Lord, For as much as you have disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and kept not the commandment which the Lord has commanded thee, this judgment will befall you. The deceit of the evil one there, the deceit of the evil one in Galatians chapter 1, is the same as it was in the Garden of Eden. Yea, says the serpent to the woman, hath God said, you shall not eat of all the trees in the garden? Ever so slight, a twist, a distortion. And of course, the liar from the beginning has these principal tactics 
these principal tricks up his sleeve. Might it be that our commandment, our commitment to God's word be so solid that we will never question it again? Is, is there a right path revealed in the scripture? Is there a straight and a narrow path that the Lord has revealed to us for our benefit? Is there? There is. But we need His grace. We need His Spirit. We need His working within us to embrace that, to hold fast to that. Some of you may have heard me, I don't, I don't really have a motto, but if I had a motto, maybe I do have a motto, uh, do you believe in God enough to do what He says? Just think about that. We say that we believe in God and have faith in Him, in Jesus Christ, for the salvation of our souls. That which is most valuable and most important, that which is the, the priority above all priorities, is that we trust God and His grace to be sufficient for our salvation. Agreed? Alright. Every other question is subordinate to that. So if we're going to trust God with the most important thing, it only makes sense that we would trust Him with all the lower things. Uh, the moral choices that we make as young people. And in fact, even that, that final prayer that we read in the, uh, in the forum there. Uh, how, how our young people are going to face temptations of the evil one. They're going to put in situations and predicaments where, boy, I, I know that this is what God said, but I don't really want to do it. Just know that when you find yourself in those ways, that there will be consequences that you will not like and that you would not prefer uh, if you would have thought it through beforehand. And so it is, beloved, when we face trials and temptations, when we, we face difficulties of one way or another, there's only one way that we can trust. One word that will be reliable. Um, you know, I talk to, to our young people, like at camp and so on. Um, when you get yourself in a relationship, is there going to be a temptation to, pro, to, to carry things on and be progressive in, uh, in your affections? Yeah. Do you believe in God enough to know that, that He knows what He's doing? That his words and his ways are right. Put it to the test. And of course God's grace is sufficient for us. And he will provide all that we need. Let us be thankful that our chief prophet, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has endured all manner of temptations and trials and troubles and yet did not sin. Think of his 40 days in the wilderness. 40 days without food or drink. The devil comes and says to him, Hey, turn this stone into bread. Nourish your whole, you're, you're weak and tired. Turn these stones to bread. What does Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man cannot live by bread alone. Man needs every word 
that proceeds from the mouth of God. Grant that we would hear that, we would believe that, and we would do that. Amen. Gracious God, we are thankful to you for today. We thank you for your provisions. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for putting passages like this in the scriptures uh, to, to hang the principles and the realities and the truths of the Christian faith upon. Uh, grant that we would never forget the man of God who received a charge and carried it out before Almighty God. Remembering that the things that happened to him are recorded for our benefit, on whom the ends of the ages have come, that we might not do what he did, or what they did, but that we might hold fast to your word, and do those things that you would require of us. We ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.